Our sermon scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage in Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road as he was now approaching the path down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. May all that's done in this service today do nothing other than help us to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. I don't know if you'll remember, but I certainly remember that Palm Sunday was my first Sunday here at Evergreen Christian Church. I was in the Mountain Retreat Center in my bedroom with like two phones and a laptop live streaming for the first time in my life, trying to figure it all out. And if I remember correctly, the sermon was about the faith of those random strangers whom the disciples took the colt from, and they said only that God needs it. And I encouraged us to model ourselves after these folks who heard God needs this and faithfully gave, not knowing what would come next, not knowing if the colt would ever be returned to them. And it was also a reminder that in moments of triumph, the ministry isn't over. Even though Christ came into Jerusalem, celebrated and triumphant, the glory of the resurrection had not yet occurred. We find ourselves in a decidedly different place this Palm Sunday. Thankfully, we find ourselves inside of the church this Palm Sunday. And not to belabor the point, but it's not quite exactly my first Sunday with an unexpected, exciting future in front of us, although there still is an unexpected, exciting future in front of us. Every day is a day in which Christ can make a triumphant entry into our lives, into our communities, and into our relationships, and every day we should celebrate that, but it is mostly on two occasions in which we liturgically celebrate Christ's arrival into our lives. The first is Christmas, in which we celebrate the birth of the Savior and God's participation within creation by becoming 
flesh. And Palm Sunday, the day we liturgically celebrate Christ entering into Jerusalem to the praise and the approval of the gathered people. Now, Christmas is pretty bright and cheery, little baby Jesus entering into the world, but Palm Sunday is tinged and colored by the foreshadowing of Easter. It's an odd mixture, knowing this glorious and triumphant entry has the specter of death looming over it. Knowing that many of the same people who celebrated Christ's entry would be persuaded to march him to his death. And to know that Jesus surely knew he was riding into his death. And then to have all of that be backgrounded by a glorious and merciful resurrection. There's a lot of emotions running high on Holy Week. You go from the whiplash of the triumphant entry to the suffering and the death and then the resurrection. And it's by inviting Christ and receiving Christ into our lives that we are welcoming and receiving the full gamut of these emotions. Triumphant entry, death, and resurrection. But Palm Sunday is our grateful, joy-filled reception of Christ. The people of Jerusalem eagerly welcomed Christ into the city, throwing their cloaks and palms on the road, cheering, celebrating, praising Christ as he entered into the city, and they had expectations of what it would mean to welcome Jesus, to welcome the Messiah into the city. Expectations of liberation, expectations of freedom from the Roman occupation, and for some, the expectations were for Israel to be restored into a mighty nation. For others, the expectation was that Christ would lead a violent rebellion against Rome. Some had messianic expectations, and others still had expectations of what they believed the Messiah should say and do, how the Messiah should come in and liberate and lead. And when their expectations weren't met, they responded with hatred and ire and disappointment. They had a vision and expectation of how the Messiah would come and lead them to freedom and then the religious authorities saw what a threat Jesus was to them when they saw the proverbial boot of Rome on their necks. They whipped the people into a frenzy and used their unrealized expectations to get them to turn their backs on the very man they celebrated and praised days earlier. Through Lent, we have been preparing for the death and the resurrection. We have been preparing for Christ, and on Palm Sunday, we find ourselves joyfully and expectantly welcoming Christ. Now, it's not wrong to have expectations. Expectations are often a good thing. They hold us to a certain standard. They give us goals to achieve and to strive for. But I find that often our goals and our dreams are fulfilled in ways we never could have expected. Often the shapes and the contours of our lives are not what we expect or even 
something we ever could have imagined. Now Christ fulfilled what are called the messianic expectations. Christ restored all of God's people. Christ offered grace and mercy unending and reconciled us to God and to each other in ways we never could have imagined. But he did not do so through sword and spear. Rather, he did so through conquering death by dying. Certainly not what the palm wavers expected. Possibly it was more than they could have imagined for Christ to be and do. I'm sure we have expectations of what it means to abide in Christ. Of what it means to have a life with Christ, to have Christ enter into our lives. Expectations for all of that might mean, and we have to be careful not to mistake our expectations for God's purpose. We welcome Christ with glory and praise, but when we do so, we welcome the full range of what Christ brings. The vulnerability of death and the glory of resurrection. And we cannot get caught up in welcoming Christ and then fail to realize that abiding with Christ means abiding with the poor and the destitute. With a man who rode in on a donkey and was born in a manger, a man who held himself with the sinners and the tax collectors and the people that nobody really liked. Abiding with Christ means finding ourselves where Christ is on the cross, dying for the ones he loved. Today, we welcome Christ and abide with Christ. And it means we welcome the shadow of death and the glory of resurrection. It means our expectations will be subverted, and yet we will find glory in places, in ways we never, ever could have imagined. We have an exciting and unknown future ahead of us. And as we welcome that future in the ways that Christ is going to work through us in that future, it is great for us to have expectations and dreams, but we cannot mistake our expectations for God's purpose. And how are we going to respond when those expectations aren't met? What will we do when the path God is leading us down is not the path we thought would get us to that destination? Having Christ enter into your life means you have to have some spiritual flexibility. You have to be limber. You have to be stretching and preparing for the paths Christ will lead you down I think I'm telling you to do some spiritual yoga. It means often sitting in uncertainty, surrendering to the Spirit, but also being assured that the grace and the mercy of Jesus will shield you. It means to root yourself so firmly and deeply in Jesus that you can abide in death and see the resurrection. 
It's Holy Week, folks. How are you limbering up for Christ's arrival? What are you doing to root yourselves into places of deep spiritual nourishment? What are you doing to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone, possibly for only a few minutes at a time, so that when the uncomfortable things, when the vulnerable things of life, when the unexpected things of following Jesus happen, you'll have the experience of what it means to be uncomfortable. So it'll actually be somewhat familiar and you can go forth in confidence saying, I've been there before, I will be there again. With the help of God, I can get through it. Have you identified in your life those places and people of comfort and security? The places and people of strength that you can retreat to and gather yourself together? What sacred spaces and holy rituals fortify and nourish your life? Where will the sustenance come from? Like a hearty meal after a hard day of work. What cloaks do you need to lay on the road to welcome Christ? And also be assured. In those moments when faith seems fleeting, when it is almost too uncomfortable to bear, when the vulnerability feels like it will rip you apart, God's got you. And even if you cannot say a word of prayer or praise, Christ says the rocks and stones themselves will begin to sing. Today we welcome Christ with joyous celebration and let us be tempered by knowing that we welcome all that Christ brings. Triumphant entry, death, waiting, and resurrection. From vulnerability to glory and let us receive it with grace and mercy. Amen.